0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Lash Boss Radio. This is Shelby, your host, and today you're gonna hear a conversation that I had with Stephen Beauty, AKA the Borgie Boy back in January. So before all of the coronavirus happened, um, we talked about content creation and standing out in the industry. I think he's done a really great job with making a name for himself in a relatively quick time because he hasn't been in the industry too, too long, Um, but he has a podcast and a YouTube channel and his Instagram is really fun to look at. So he is one to watch. And I'm so glad to have had him on the show. So, without further ado, here is Stephen. All right, Stephen, so welcome to the show.
1: Hey there. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. So, um, the first time I heard about you was in Vegas at the IBS show I felt like that was your debut (laughs) Um, but I don't think we like formally met until LashCon but Mm -hmm. you've been getting more and more involved with the lash industry what made you choose the beauty industry and what led you to the lash industry specifically
1: well I've always been like really interested in honestly how I look and how I present myself to people. And I've always been really into fashion and just that sector in general. So when I started going to college, I just didn't really feel connected to anything. Mm -hmm. And so when I, you know, I went for two months maybe and probably went to like two classes out of that whole time. Mm -hmm. And I just like was just out doing my thing and whatever. I just, my mom was like, okay, you really need to do something. You like, you've always been into beauty. So like you're going to hair school. So she like made me get into hair school. But then when I was there, I just realized how much I loved being there. Not only just being a service provider, but just being in that whole world and being able to kind of brand myself if I wanted to or yeah. open my own salon if I wanted to or yeah. start a product line if I wanted to I just felt like there was so many outlets that I could use like my skills and just like my ideas for that I just knew that this is like what I wanted to be into you mm-hmm. know and so I started out with hair for I've been doing hair since I think my first class was 2011, so wow. I graduated in 2012, so I've been doing hair since then. And then in March of last year is when I took my first lash course. It was the two-day accelerated artistry course with Borbaletta,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and yeah, then it all just kind of happened from there. I went to their academy in May, and then, like you said, IBS was my debut, and that's <laughs> when I kind of put myself out there in the world right away, and. Yeah. it been fun ever since.
0: So going back to, you said your mom enrolled you in school and stuff. Did she think you would just excel in this, this industry or did you show any interest in it beforehand?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Like I would say in, like I had always been interested in beauty and like just anything to do with that my whole life. But really in high school is when I started to like really experiment with everything. Yeah. I would bleach my hair. I would dye it gotcha. black and then have my mom... <laughs> Back again. I would be wearing eyeliner to school. I would cut my friend's hair, even though I didn't know how to cut it, and it looked absolutely terrible. Now looking back at it, but <laughs> you know, so she she just knew. And I had come to her when I was like 16 because one of my friends uh, she dropped out of school, not really, but she got to finish it online and go to hair school at the same time. So she graduated from hair school at 17. And so she was able to start making money like right away. And I wanted to do the same thing. Right. And of course my mom is more traditional. So she wanted me to finish high school and mm-hmm. go to college and all of that. But I think as she saw that I was struggling and she just saw that I was not going to be latched onto something, she knew that I just needed to go to hair school, whether right. I wanted to or not.
0: Right. Yeah. Um. I think a lot of times like people in this industry that find – that find out that this is the path they wanna go down, they, they try college first sometimes. And that's actually what I did. I ended up graduating, but I was so unhappy there. And then it's just like, when you find your path, you're like, yeah, this is exactly where I need to be.
1: Exactly, it's a, it's a good feeling for sure. Yeah.
0: So whenever you took your first class in lashes, would you say that you were more of a natural or did you put in a lot of hours of practice?
1: Oh oh man, my first class, like that was a very humbling experience because <laughs> I did have a little big head on my shoulders at that moment because I had been doing hair and I was like, how hard can this be? Like, let's do this. I already had like trademarks and in, in the works because I wanted to start this lash business before even going to the class. So right. I was like ready to go, ready to do this. So then when I sat down in the class, I was like, whoa, this is way harder than I thought. Um, What am I doing right now? But at the same time, I was like, I need to make this work because I've like said this to myself that this is a new venture for me and like I need to make this work somehow. Yeah. So yeah.
0: On Instagram, you go by the Borby boy and Borbaletta, it's one of the biggest lash companies in our industry. And, you know, knowing Kim personally, I can definitely see why you wanted to stand with a company like that. Um, But was it was that your intention from the start to kind of associate yourself with a company Um, or at what point did you say, like, I want to associate with Warbelletta specifically?
1: So it wasn't my original intention. I actually had the trademark going for Pink Science Beauty Mm. when I first was taking the first class. And I just had always known about Borboletta. They were the only lash brand I knew about in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I knew great things about them already. I had gotten to know some of the educators just from them, like trying to get me to take this course. But it was when I went into the academy in May of last year that I was like sitting there and I was like, I love Pink Science Beauty. And that's always going to be something that I want to be used within my brand somehow. But as I was sitting there, I was like, you know what? Like there's so many other hairdressers that have latched onto a brand and really built their own brand that way. And I said, you know what? This is like my moment because there are no guys out there right now. Mm -hmm. And if there are, they're not really presenting themselves in a certain way. So I knew that if I just kind of stuck with a brand that it would kind of help me in the long run while also helping them because it'll give them kind of a different voice having a male behind it. Yeah. So being there and just being immersed in their culture, which is amazing and everyone is so supportive and kind and just they want the best for everybody, not just their own brand. They, they support so many other people. I just knew that this is like what I needed to be with and that it would it would definitely be a good asset to have in the long run.
0: In Vegas I know like as I said before we didn't meet I was very newly pregnant and sick a lot so I was like in my hotel room the whole time basically but oh. um, a lot of people at the show were talking about you I don't know if you knew this um, but no. your, your outfits were just so unique and like you just stood out and then Um, I just heard a few people say like, did you meet the Borby boy? Did you meet the Borby boy? And I looked you up on Instagram because people kept talking about it. And even now, like the second you click on your Instagram, um, you can see your individuality, like the pink and the sparkles. And, uh, I don't know, you just kind of like radiate a lot of confidence. Um, is that something that comes naturally for you or is it more of a, almost like a strategy?
1: I, I, oh, this is such a good question. Cause <laughs> I definitely like have always had confidence in what I'm wearing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I always wanted people to notice me, but at the same time, I'm actually very shy and introverted. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a weird thing. Cause my, I've always tried to put out this persona out there and it's, it's funny that, um, I don't know, people see it as confident because it's just like everything that I say is very just my thoughts and I wouldn't necessarily rant about it in person. So I kind of look at like my social media outlets as my diary outlet and ah. that's how I'm able to write like that. But it's 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 weird because now I am getting all this attention and it's scary. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> and,
1: Um, So I would say I'm confident with what I want to bring to the table, but I'm not a confident person.
0: So the fact that you're getting a lot of attention and stuff, I think comes because, you know, you are basically a content creator now and you are very active on social media and you're also you, you do your own podcast I think you've established yourself as having like a voice in this industry and um, I wanted to know what you know struggles you've faced as a content creator so far. Uh, Do you feel pressure ever? Like what are your feelings about it now?
1: Yeah and I kind of have been talking about this a lot lately because I just have been feeling a lot of pressure because I'm the type of person that when I start something I just want to like completely immerse myself in it to the point that I can't even breathe and but I always feel like well I'm going to be left out if I don't or someone else is going to take my idea before I have it or Mm -hmm. before I put it out there so I'm always I always say yes to pretty much every single thing in the beginning of when I'm starting to create something new and it's at this point like I started this whole social media journey I guess you could say in. June of 2019, and I just it's only January right now. And I've said yes to so many things, and I just didn't expect it to get that busy so quickly, I guess. So I just wasn't ready for it. So I'm definitely having a hard time keeping up because I still have a full time job. Like I still do hair full time, I do lashes part time, Mm -hmm. and then I have to keep up with all of this. So it's definitely been a struggle keeping up with everything and having trying to have this voice every single time i do something
0: yeah. i
1: feel it's i feel like i can't just be normal anymore and i know yeah. that sounds silly but i don't feel like i feel like i'm letting people down when i don't have some like massive like learning Post. experience or right. something yeah like i just it's and i know it wouldn't be that big of a deal if i just posted a picture with one word or a sentence, but I would just feel like I'm failing everybody.
0: (laughs) I can relate completely. Um, yeah, it's hard to, to, uh, even put yourself on a schedule and, um, with, with working outside of creating. But, um, I think that content creators sometimes feel like this when everyone else is just excited period to see when they do have something, Um, so don't Mm -hmm. put too much pressure on yourself. I, I put myself in that same, you know, predicament too, though.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm definitely learning. Like I've, I've taken a lot of time off social media lately and I found that it's, I'm still getting the same amount of engagement even when I do come back. So it's like, why was I, yes why was i so stressed about that so it's definitely (laughs) been a learning process here but the first few weeks of january i've been like all right i really need to just like say no now for a little bit like finish all the things i've committed to but i need to like slow it down podcast included because that was a lot more work than i ever anticipated (laughs)
0: yes
1: (laughs) to keep up with especially like Mm -hmm. week and it's like at first i came out saying oh i'm gonna I'm going to do two episodes a week and you're going to get so much content. And then, like, I did one week of that and I was like, yeah, right. (laughs) We're getting one.
0: (laughs) Exactly. I was like that too in the beginning. I was like, this is a weekly podcast. And then I was like, I can't do that. (laughs) But yeah, it's just hard whenever you're juggling like other stuff too. So. I'm going to interrupt this episode to talk to you guys a little bit about Acuity Scheduling, which is a Squarespace company. Acuity is a booking software that you can think of as a scheduling assistant that's kind of working behind the scenes as you are lashing and working on other parts of your business. You'll be able to customize your email and text confirmations and reminders so that it looks like it's coming from you and it's branded to your business. Acuity makes it really easy for your clients to book, which is important. You can also set it up to where they can book through Instagram and Facebook. And when a client does book, you can make it to where they have to pay a deposit or they can even pay for the whole cost up front. Um, It's kind of customizable to whatever your cancellation policy is. Another great thing that they do is that you can go paperless with your intake forms so you can get to know your client before they even come. And obviously that saves both of y'all time as well. It's a great software. It's recommended all of the time in a bunch of lash forums and business forums that I'm in. So if you want to check it out, just visit acuityscheduling.com forward slash lash and they will give you 45 days of acuity scheduling for free without putting a credit card down. I will put a link in the show notes, but for now, let's get back into the episode so what other trainings have you taken besides the Borboletta one and do you have any others in your sites that you want to maybe take in the next year or so
1: so the other training that i've taken was with lana i did one of her private trainings her Luxon Cut artistry course yes yeah. all of it that was a mouthful <laughs> <laughs> but um Her training was so amazing. It was really cool to be able to hang out with her for two days and really just pick her brain. And I just love how much she sat behind, like she literally sat behind me the entire time. Like, yeah, no, it was like, she watched every move I made and that's what, that's what I need. I need somebody like, I love group trainings, but it's harder because like you get a second with them and then they go to somebody else and you know, they'll come back and I'll be like, yeah, I messed up. I don't know what I did. <laughs>
0: you know? Yeah. I, I'm the opposite. I can't, I can't perform the same when someone's watching me. Um, so like, I kind of want them to go away so I can practice what they said. So that's interesting that I feel like there's just so many different types of learners and mm-hmm. that that's actually probably really beneficial for someone like you who, who needs that. Um, yeah, but I can't. <laughs>
1: I didn't think I would be like that because in my first like lash class I liked when they went away because I was so scared of like <laughs> them watching me yeah. and me mess up. But I think at that point the private training was after I had been lashing for a while. Not a while, but you know, a few months. And so I just I was like, all right, I really just want her to like fix everything that's wrong with me.
0: Right. Analyze <laughs> every move. But
1: I was I mean, I was sweating. I was like, I hope <laughs> I do not smell right now
0: because <laughs> I'm
1: like sweating like with her just sitting behind me like literally her body is against yours. Like she is watching every move, every fan. If the fan's not good, she's like, nope, throw it out.
0: Nope. Dang. I
1: was like, okay, yep.
0: hey girl. <laughs> <laughs> so earlier we kind of talked on your podcast for a little bit. The title is Beauty by Boys. Talk to me about the title and kind of like what you what your show is really about.
1: Okay. So originally it kind of started out as like wanting to showcase the males making moves in the beauty industry, but mm-hmm. I felt like because I was always preaching inclusivity and no gender stereotypes, and that's kind of been my thing, I I originally named the thing or the podcast that, but at this point, I kind of want to cater to everybody because I kind of felt like a hypocrite just being like, only boys, only boys. And there's so many people, great women and people out there that I can talk to, so I named it Beauty by Boys, but it's for everybody. So that's kind of like what I want to push. I want to bring up topics that people don't normally want to talk about. And I want questions that make people like actually pause and be like, oh, wow, how do I answer this? And I want to like be an outlet that gives people a voice that they never thought that they had because of like social media pressures or daily pressures or business pressures. I just want this to kind of be like a safe space that we can kind of talk about everything, but mostly beauty.
0: I'm sure like a lot of males in the beauty industry get asked, what is it like being a male in a female dominated industry? Are you kind of like over getting asked that? Or like, do you kind of just want people to focus on like what you're creating versus your gender?
1: Yeah, it's I don't I definitely don't get tired of being asked that because that's my whole thing. So, mm-hmm. I just don't ever want to come off like a negative way because yeah. there is really no negativity being a male in the beauty industry. Right. To be honest, because I don't know, I've always felt so accepted and loved and all of that. I think it's just that people don't usually think of men as when they first think of beauty and there's all of these conventions and um workshops and everything and it's always like for women bosses and girl bosses and all of that and i just want it to be an anybody boss like why can't we all just kind of do all of this together and why does there have to be like a boy or a girl or a women-run business or a man-run business like i just want it to be a business like this is a community that we're all a part of and that's kind of what I'm trying to push is right. not necessarily just like making it so men can feel accepted because they should feel accepted I don't I've never felt on you know unappreciated by any woman yeah. in this industry so I just definitely want that to be known it's more just I want it to just be more inclusive and just kind of just be people driven and not gender driven
0: Yeah, I think the fascination with males in this industry, I guess, is just because it's not like, it's not what we commonly see, like it is a lot of women. Um, And so when a male like comes into the picture, we're just like, oh my gosh, like we're so about that, that I always wondered, like, is that annoying?
1: No, I love when... When my girls love me because I love all of you. So <laughs> I don't know if it offends or gets annoying to other guys, but I hope it doesn't because yeah. they should, they should want to feel that love.
0: Right. Um, so I'm sure you knew this question was coming because every guest on my show has to answer <laughs> it. Um, but what is your favorite failure or just a time in you, in your life that you felt like you were failing, but in the end you realized it was like part of your process?
1: So this was definitely a hard one for me, and I'm sure everybody says that, but (laughs) because there are so many different failures that I have had being an entrepreneur that it was hard to choose one, but there was definitely one that stood out because I am very all about like fashion and just that industry in general. So uh, like 2013, I ordered about 800 t-shirts that i had printed with my designs on them thinking without a social media or anything that it was just going to be this instant success (laughs) and everyone was going to find it and it was completely opposite the fact like i had friends that wanted them but they wanted them for free and i had an online shop that no one was going to find because i had no social media because i was against it at that point oh
0: my God. I, I had a
1: little moment where I was like
0: anti none of, yeah anti <laughs>
1: social media um so I sold one out of 800 wow. spent like so much money on it I was like so devastated because I didn't understand at that point why but now looking back it's because I didn't hype it up I didn't do anything for it and mm-hmm. I was just expecting that my design alone was going to just blow up on Tumblr or something or
0: mm-hmm. someone
1: was just going to take a picture in it and it was going to be sold out the next day. So that was definitely probably my favorite favorite failure because I am so into branding and fashion that it was just a big hit to my ego because I originally before I took beauty anywhere other than just being a service provider i thought i was going to be a fashion designer so that was like my first little taste into it and it was just such a bad taste that it it scared me off for a while and it really kind of just brought me down and i was like can i do this can i is my branding enough and it just kind of was like a huge hit to the ego so that was probably definitely my favorite failure because We're gonna try it again here soon. And (laughs) this time with a social media.
0: All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening today, and I will link Steven's social media handles in the show notes. If you listened, please make sure to tag Stephen and I on Instagram. My social media handle is Lash Boss Radio, of course, and his is the Borby Boy. Next up for next week's episode will be Tiana from The Lash Exchange, followed by Janelle Paris' episode from Lash Affair. She was actually going to be aired this week, but um, I kind of mixed everything around, and um, So yeah, anyway, you guys will hear a lot of great episodes coming up. I hope you guys are hanging in there and I will talk to you very soon.